Hey everyone, after more than 15 years in the business, I finally got a book published. If you want to do me the biggest favor in the whole world, please head over to MikeyOp.com and buy a copy. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com and the book is named Ardor and it's about psychics and the history and future of the universe. I wrote it and I think you'll love it. Hey everybody, this is Mike Oppenheim and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, we have a guest who is a widowed grandmother, and at 70, Kathleen Israel decided to walk the Camino Santiago with just her four angels to accompany her. She wrote a best-selling book about her adventures in which she shares her wisdom she learned from the experience and also from the people she met there. Your host is a huge fan of the Camino Santiago, and I have always wanted to do it, and I'm still waiting to do it. Um, I'm 41 at the time of this recording, so even if it takes me 29 more years, I will follow Kathleen, and today I am so excited to ask her questions about it. So, Kathleen, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Um, so I guess uh, we should start with our normal question, which is how old are you, which we know you were 70 mm-hmm. when you did this, and then uh, where did you grow up, and what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Okay, well, I'm 74 right now, and um, they say I'm a baby boomer. I mean, that's the, <laughs> that's the, I'm, I mean, I, I pretty much am an old lady, but I don't really think I, I don't really, um, it doesn't feel like it, I guess I should say. And where'd you grow up? I grew up in San Diego, California. I, it's such a great place. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and I still live here, so I just never wanted to go away. I, I'd like to travel, but I'd like to live in San Diego. Oh, I love San Diego. I grew up in the Bay Area, and I'm very jealous. <laughs> San Diego is by far the best city in California. It's not even close. There's nothing comes even close to it, and I love it. I try to go there often. Um, so you're awesome. And uh, actually, only because you mentioned it, I am curious as I'm aging. What age did you first like self-identify as a quote-unquote old lady? I'm just curious. It's the gray hair. Okay. I mean. <laughs> I started actually I started getting gray when I was 30 35 or yeah, something I had this little white spot in the middle of the front of my head and and I used to dye my hair so I I guess I stopped dyeing my hair when my husband got sick and so I was like you know 40 uh 50 I guess Yeah no and no, I mean I'm asking cuz there's different people with different aging strategies, but anytime someone refers to themselves like comically the way you did, I know that I'm in the same boat, the same ilk as them, which is like someone who is going to try their best to age with grace, but obviously aging is aging and it's, you know, the part of life that many of us fear. None of us embrace at first, but uh, it's kind of the whole point of the show because we call it coffin talk because we're kind of walking our way to our burial. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> My husband, he, he had to make a decision if he was going to get a feeding tube in his side or else if he was going to go into hospice and die. And so the the speech pathologist told me, uh, you know, I was like, okay, well, I... I used all my 60s to take care of Ron. Now I'm going to start using my 70s to take care of Ron, too. And uh, she said, oh, don't worry. The the 70s is the new 60s. And I just told her, well, the 80s are not the new 70s. <laughs> you know, once you're 80, it's, it's you know, difficult. Yeah. What did your husband have and, and how aware and everything was he for like the 10 or so years it sounds like yeah he was sick for 18 years 18 Um, wow yeah 
and uh, we knew about it for 17, and uh, he had Parkinson's disease. Oh, okay. And it's the kind of thing that doesn't kill you until it does, and so you get to just, um, you know, you just get to live with it, and uh, at one point, uh, the well person gets to be the caregiver, which I'm not going to say, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because when we got married, we just, I mean, I was all in. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is death do us part thing. And if you're going to do death do us part, somebody's going to be taking care of somebody. So I prefer to be the well one. Let him be the sick one. You know, if you got to do that. I didn't really have that much of a, a disagreement with it, but um, it was, it was uh, a long time for me to just be caring for him. No, that's, I mean, incredible. I, I can't even, uh, obviously I've, I've met a few people and I, um, who had Parkinson's that were in my life. And then I, of course, you know, saw it a lot at the hospice, but, um, that was always at the very end. Uh, did you have children? I have five children. I always thought, wow, I have a lot of kids. Then they'll be able to take care of you when you're <laughs> old, but n- you know what? They're busy that, you know, they were fine with me just doing it by myself. Okay. And so were they all out of the house though, by the time he got the diagnosis? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, our, our baby boy had just gone to college and so uh, Ron had to quit his job right as John was going off to college. Oh, wow. And that that was difficult for John. He had to make his own money. He became a wonderful entrepreneur because of it, but <laughs> it was hard for him. That's so interesting because I think that's not common in a family that, like, the last of five would have a completely different, like, self-made story, so to speak, you know? Yeah, he he's amazing. <laughs> that's cool. Who gave you the idea of the Camino, or how did you decide to do that? So, around about 2013, my girlfriend walked the Camino, and she put it on Facebook, all you know, and I just thought that was such a neat thing. I, I really felt like she was doing something very special for herself. And so I just told myself, when Ron's done with his disease, I'm going to go do that. So after Ron died, um, there was a lot of paperwork to do. He died in August. And then by um, January, I was done with the paperwork. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go, I better get, you know, I better learn how to do this. So I, I um, started checking out YouTube and how to pack. And, you know, I went to some some talks at the library and stuff. And I just figured out how to do it. Where do you fly in and fly out of? And how long does it take like a normal person? You know what I mean by that? (laughs) Yeah. Usually people maybe take, um, 35 days to do the Camino. It's, um, I flew into Paris because Paris was the cheapest place to fly into. (laughs) You just kind of Decide. Last time I went, uh, Barcelona was the cheapest. <laughs> so, you know, you just wherever it is, you go fly in there and then you take a train to. Well, I. OK, so I flew into Paris. I stayed there for a week to be a tourist so I wouldn't have jet lag. And then I flew. EasyJet's great. You can yeah. just fly EasyJet to um, Bayonne. No, Baritz. Yeah, I flew to Baritz from Paris. And then I took a cab to Bayonne, and I spent the night at an Airbnb, and then I got on a train and took a train to Don Pied de Port. So then I stayed there the night, and then I started in the morning. <laughs> wow. And I mean, I just, I'm bursting with questions, and they're all positive, and I'm so excited to hear about this. So um, what... Uh, 
First of all, did you speak Spanish before this trip? Well, I do live in San Diego, which is right <laughs> next door to Mexico. So, I mean, I took two years of Spanish in high school and one in college. And no, I don't speak Spanish. Um, but I can say, I can say, uh, necesito una cama para esta noche. I can do that. <laughs> nice. I need a bed for this night for those listening at home. I guess my other quick question before we get into the actual thing is, uh, what kind of training, if any, did you do at home as far as like conditioning and walking? So I had been for a long time walking with my friend at the Bay uh, five miles, three days a week. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, gee, five miles doesn't even make me sweat. So I can write, I can walk five miles before lunch and five miles after lunch and I can do this. Cool. And so, so I just thought, okay, so it's 500 miles, uh, 10 miles a day, 50 days, you know, so I just figured I can do it. And, um, of course I have my guardian angels too, and they help me when I'm in trouble. So yay for that. Yeah. And I want to get into stories from the actual trip, including um, your guardian angels. Uh, so I guess one more quick question. Um, everyone does it differently. Like you said, some people can do more miles a day and do it in 35 and all that. But um, how does like the actual planning for sleep work? Because I'm assuming if you're going to do it in 50 days, that's 49 nights you're sleeping outside and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't, they, it's like against a lot of sleep outside. So they have albergues. They're they're like a hostel, only okay. they're just for pilgrims. Oh, cool. And so you go there and they could be anywhere from five to 12 euros a night. Okay. Actually, I just saw one that was 15 euros. Um, but anyway, um, so you go, you, you walk, you, you walk along and then you figure out where you're going to stay that night and then you get the albergue and you go in. Some of them take reservations and some of them don't. Okay. And wow. so uh, there's this really cool app. It's called Camino Ninja. <laughs> and you go on there and you can just plan like how many miles do I want to walk? This many miles. Okay, so where's an albergue close to that? And then you just click on it and then booking.com will book it for you. Wow. And it's so amazing yeah, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I just walked. I just walked the Camino Portugues la, uh, two years ago, and so I. That's what I used the Camino Ninja app. But when I walked the first time, I just used a book, and the book was like my, uh, told you about each city, gave you all the phone numbers, all the albergues you could call them, and say, "Necesito una cama de para esta noche," <laughs> and. And then they, you could have a room. And a lot of people speak English, though, so you don't always have to do that. Cool. And then uh, let's get into the trip. Um, I guess my first question, I know you did it alone, but you also talk about having angels with you. But were there friends or family who was like, no, 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 you have to go with someone. This is too dangerous. You're a woman. You're, you're older, blah, blah, blah. They were so supportive. One of my daughters, Carla, um, made a a WhatsApp for me and she called it mom's walkabout check-in. <laughs> so I just wrote, I actually, I had my Facebook friends that I was asking them to pray for me and then my kids. So my kids um, created this WhatsApp. And so I was telling them all the gory details <laughs> and then my friends, I just told them the nice stuff. So <laughs> 
between the two of those, um, you know, I could write my book. By the way, just for everyone listening, because I like to say this in the middle of the episode, uh, the notes will include a direct link to find her book so you can buy it. So uh, I'll make it very easy for everyone to find that. Why don't you tell me, because we don't have time to hear every story from the trip. I'd love to hear to start with uh, what was the scariest moment of the whole trip? The scariest, I guess walking, I mean, you know, they made these trails and you have to walk on vertical rocks that are, you know, they're supposed to be laying down flat and they're like vertical and you're trying to walk. And I mean, I did actually fall down one time and, um, and then a friend came by that I had met earlier and he wanted to help me get up. And I'm like, no, I'm not getting up. So I just scooted down the whole mountain on my butt. <laughs> and I was just, I was just hoping that, um, I wouldn't have a hole in my pants and I didn't. So yay for, you know, <laughs> my pants didn't get a hole. In them. <laughs> Did you make any friends on this trip that you're still in touch with? Yes. I made, we made a WhatsApp the first night, like, um, when I got to Saint John, it was snowing on the Pyrenees, so we were not able to walk over the Pyrenees. Mm. So we had to walk around. And that first night in Bal Carlos, those people made a WhatsApp, and so yeah, I can still I'm still talking to them, the people that I met that first night. Cool. And then let's get into the spiritual side. So before we hear about your guardian angels and all that, um, we ask every single guest without fail, what do you think happens when you die? So I'd love to ask you a little bit of a different version. Uh, I'd like to know what you think happens when you die. And then I'd also like to know if that has changed since you took this trip. Oh, gosh, I have this really strong faith. I am like, a, I am a woman of faith. And I just always knew that, um, you know, God just takes you up to heaven when you die. And when Ron was going to, you know, his death was kind of imminent. And uh, he, um, I just felt like it was my responsibility to uh, prepare him for his death. And so I went on YouTube and I, uh, I couldn't believe it. The first thing, you know, sometimes they have something at the top mm -hmm. that isn't what you're looking for. <laughs> it was, it was a guy who was, a doctor, emergency room doctor who had met so many people that died and he brought them back to life and he would talk to each one of them. And they all had, you know, after they didn't die, they all had the same story. And so he said that he wasn't afraid to die anymore. And that, um, uh, you know, everybody talked about, they got out of their body, they got up, you know, they were down looking down at, the emergency room from up in the sky or in the, on the ceiling. I don't know where they are. And then uh, they maybe went down the tunnel and found out it wasn't their time yet. And then they went back and it was a real drag to get back in their body again. So I'm thinking it's going to be a cool experience. And I'm getting kind of old, like 74. And I don't think it's too, you know, like it might be, I mean, I could my girlfriend's mom just had her 100th birthday, so, I mean, I could do that, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out something about, like, longevity, which is, you know, some people actually don't want to live into old age, and I think they make conscious decisions their whole life to kind of almost accelerate that. Like, you know, um, not everyone who smokes cigarettes is going to die from smoking, but it's obviously going to increase the likelihood of physical stuff like that. So now that you're, like, 74 – 
Do you ever consider just picking up some bad habits and saying, F it, I'm going to have fun the last couple of years? Or do you want to like keep a really healthy lifestyle and try to reach 100 or maybe even 110? Hey, everyone. If you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeyOp.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us, and it's free. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. Thanks. Yeah, God, God's really got me on a on a tight chain here <laughs> uh, because if I eat the wrong thing, I itch. Ah. I like itch, and it's awful. And I, you know, it's like my eyes get all um, peely and stuff, and my mouth gets. I mean, it's not pretty. What happens if I eat the wrong stuff? So I'm like, oh man, I, you know, it's like. What? Yeah. I can't have cake. I can't have, you know, donuts at church. No. Oh my gosh. It's like torture. That's so fun. I'm actually a lot uh we have a lot in common because I'm starting to notice things I didn't want to notice, just like the way foods are affecting me and like I can continue to ignore it and pretend that I just have like this overall like feeling or I can really pay attention to like the subtle nuances and how my body reacts to every little thing I do. And so it's becoming annoying because I'm like drinking very rarely now. And I don't want to be a person who drinks very rarely. I just want to be a normal, healthy person. But uh, <laughs> I, I do. I, I definitely identify with what you're talking about. And then personally, you know, because I am the age I'm at and I have two children, I want to live a very long time because I want to be there for them, which is like a different dynamic. And so kind of on that same uh, line of thought, um, how much do your children now like enter your like worrying mind like do you still feel like you're a parent at all times or does that start to wane uh no i i think it's really good to be the kind of old person that your children worry about not you worry about them (laughs) because uh you know and they don't i mean i haven't detected them worrying about me they're kind of proud of me and stuff cool uh so um i I, I do not worry about them because they have gone so far away from what I think is okay that I don't even, I mean, it's ridiculous for me to expect them to um, do what I do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, I figure that I got to raise them the way I wanted to and nobody stopped me. And so they get to do that too. That's very cool, and I love to hear it the way you phrased it, because that is my philosophy as well. Like my, uh, I kind of have that philosophy about just everything that's going on in the country and the globe right now, which is that young people inherit Earth, and you have to not only trust them, but also let them make mistakes just like our generations did. And uh, But it's hard. It's, it's easier to say that out loud than to sit here and watch it and do it. But um, I really respect that. I respect that a lot. Yeah, I went and got me a... a you know, a crossover car, <laughs> a car that uses, you know, electricity and, and, um, and, uh, you know, um, a hybrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's my little, I, I hope I'm not damaging the earth too much here. So I try and, I mean, I, I have worms and they, eat my garbage and I, you know, I do some stuff to help the environment. Yeah, no, it's cool. I think everyone just has to do what they feel like. You know, it kind of goes back to not just consciousness, but conscientiousness. Like, we all have different uh, degrees to which we care and don't care. And I think, um, you know, we're we're in this mess together, and it's it seems like a mess, but it, it also is 
sort of fun and you get to do what you get to do. But um, that's kind of why I was excited to interview you is I, I just like people. I'm attracted to talking to people who make brave decisions. And I think at any age, it's brave to take a couple months off to go to a foreign country and walk. And I think it's especially interesting that you did it alone. So let's get back to a little bit of the trip before we take off here. Um, tell me about these angels that you refer to, because some people don't believe in that. Some people do. So what's your take on specifically on this trip? How are your angels with you? Well, I, I actually know my angels personally. Cool. And uh, I, there was this lady in my, my neighborhood when my kids were little and she had this thing called soldiers of Mary. I mean, she made it up herself. It isn't like a thing. Okay. She just, and so I was there for crowd control, and then she, uh, she said, "Okay, so um, let's all color these. We colored these papers about the guardian angel. I don't know if you've seen that picture of kids going over a bridge and the guardian angel standing there, really big behind them. Yeah, yeah, I do. Anyway, we colored that, and then she said, "Would you guys like to um, meet your guardian angel?" And I'm like, "Oh, this sounds really good." And so. I, I, I mean, I did it too with the kids. And so she said, okay, sit there quietly and just think about your guardian angel and ask your guardian angel what their name is. And the first thing you think of, that's their name. Hmm. And so I was sitting there thinking about it and I got Lunk. And I'm like, Lunk? What kind of name of an angel is Lunk? And then I got this big idea in my head about this giant bouncer type angel sitting next to me and me little on this bench and he had his arm around me and I was just like, well, maybe because of my life, the way it is, um, I need a bouncer. So I was like, okay, we have lunk. And the next thing, year they did the same thing. And I sat there and I was like, okay, guardian angel, what's your name? And I got Mary bell and Mary bell. I got this idea that Mary bell is this flying around flittering gregarious angel, which is just like the opposite of Lunk. And so I thought, well, there's balance for you, you know, between the two of them. And then uh, I live in a neighborhood where there's skunks. And I like to walk in the evening. And I was afraid that I was going to meet a skunk. And I thought, oh, man, okay, God, send me some angels to protect me from skunks. And I got these two giant angels. And they were like, they had their wings up over me protecting me as i was walking and so on the camino when they came with you was there a moment where you asked them for something or you depended on them or you needed them anything like that i just noticed a lot of times that i was in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. like uh i w i was uh talking to this man and he had i mean okay it was in the albergate <clears throat> it was dinner time and I got my food and I sat down and um, the other guy across the table was somebody who uh, from England. And, you know, when you sit down with somebody at the table, you say, why did you come on the Camino? And so uh, he said, um, he said, why did you come on the Camino? And I told him, well, you know, my husband died and um, I took care of him for 17 years. And uh, when he died, I, I came on the Camino to, because, um, so I could do something special for myself. And then he said that he, um, he was in the military. I asked him why he came and he was in the military and he, uh, had a couple of weeks off and he decided to do the Camino. And, um, so I, 
I, I just, I told him that my husband, you know, he thought it was really cool that I had um, taken care of my husband for so long. And then um, the lady next to him just kind of jabbed him with her, her elbow and said, tell her the rest. And he said, well, he had met this woman and uh, got married to her, had a child and realized he got married too young. And so he was, he was, he left her and he was on the Camino to figure out what to do now. And, um, so since I had been married so long to my husband, you know, he was just like, he felt kind of sheepish that he, he didn't stand by his, his wife. Wow. And so I just felt like the angel had brought me right next to him so that I could share with him. You know, I told him about, um, you know, like if his wife ever got married to somebody else, that man was not going to love his child as much as he did. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that's very true. And then I said, uh, you know, I told him about Ho'oponopono, which is a healing technique that I use for myself. And so I told him about it. It kind of looses our binds with the people that uh, we can't stand. And so um, we either get to get away from them or else it helps us not have animosity with them. So we can, you know, it's a it's a wonderful prayer. So I got to share that with them. That's actually incredible. And I, I totally agree. And I think it's so interesting and such a reflection of your human character that you consider a great moment in your life helping someone else because that's seriously awesome. And I think there's a lot of people who would only talk about how something affected them. Now that you are where you are, you're 74, you've had this incredible experience on the Camino, you've known your guardian angels most of your life, uh, you've written a best-selling book, you also had a husband who succumbed to a terrible, very difficult to deal with uh, Parkinson's disease, and you had to take care of him for many, many years, losing all that time that you know could have been spent with him. So at this point in your life, do you consider yourself lucky, unlucky, or neither? Yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I I got to be the well one in our illness, you know, and um I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to die. I mean, it's difficult to die. I you know, I I lived his death with him. And um yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate and I um I'm very thankful. Wow. <laughs> You're an incredible person, and I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, I love your attitude. I love your optimism, and I love the way you talk about your children and the differences between you because you say it with grace and love, and uh, I think that's the best way to approach any family situation no matter what. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about all this. Before we do let you go, I love to let my guests kind of give the last word. So um, aside from checking out your book, what would you like our audience to know? Okay, I have this prayer that I always say when I don't know what to do. And that prayer is, dear God, please make everything turn out okay. And then I let God make everything turn out okay. So um, so that is just, um, and that's what I do. That's my gift. I absolutely love it. And thank you for leaving us with that. That's a very special note. And I think 
honestly, that is the best thing you can do is give in to humility and grace and allow things to take their natural course. So Kathleen Israel, she wrote a best-selling book on the Camino Santiago. There will be direct links to it on the notes to this podcast. Um, please check it out. Please check her out. And uh, thank you so much for coming and listening to another episode of Coffin Talk. As always, the best way to support the show is to head over to MikeyUp.com. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com and sign up for free to our uh, email list. Uh, you will be emailed once a week with a philosophical essay that I write as well as a link to the current podcast and uh, we keep getting subscribers and they keep thanking me for uh, trying to provide an upbeat and modern outlook on life so I'm appreciative of that and that's why I'm trying to get interest in it Uh, and for everyone else we love you and thank you for listening to the show this has been another episode of Coffin Talk my name is Mike Oppenheim and we will see you soon and you see that I